Today on the show, we've got Justin Saladino from the Justin Saladino Band. He is a true bluesman at heart, and he can really rip on a guitar. Yeah, and if you have any uh, questions you'd like us to ask guests in future episodes, please let us know by messaging us. Uh, we will always want to make the show more engaging for the listeners, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoy. so much justin saladino for hanging out with us talking guitar talking you know gear and and uh musical influences um we're really excited to have you on so uh just to kind of start it off you know what was your your first exposure to guitar i mean what got you into this yeah man thanks for having me first of all uh appreciate it reaching out through instagram sliding yeah. the dms and yeah I, so I really appreciate it guys yeah That's cool yeah um, yeah, first experience started really young. So my, the background is my uncle has played professionally for a long time, has taught guitar for a long time. And he still works in music at a distributor in Montreal, Jam Industries. But, uh, my dad also played like just stoner in high school, playing guitar, playing <laughs> Zeppelin and stuff, you know? And so there were always guitars. Like I, we still have it at one of the houses um i think it's at my uncle's it's like a it was a six string but it looks like a ukulele so there's pictures of me at like three years old playing guitar but i officially started taking lessons i was like six years old so i, I think i picked up my dad's guitar it was like christmas eve or or close to and you never you didn't want to force me but because <laughs> i picked it up he had to run out that day to get a, a little junior classical so um uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So your yeah, first started lesson then. So your first guitar was a classical, like nylon string. Yeah, classic, nice. like junior, nice. and I guess pre that was like a junior, junior, like yay big, you know. Yeah. So, so what were you playing on it? Did you? Because uh, I, I can relate to that. I the first guitar I found was a nylon string, and um, I found a a note of uh, um, American pie. Mm. So that's what I played on my nylon string guitar. Nice. What was yours? Like, what, what did you uh, my, first dive into? I mean, we dove into like, I'm, I'm super grateful to my uncle being a teacher and was like kind of organized. Like we started with like a kid's book and it was like mm -hmm. reading music. I remember the first lesson was like G, 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 et cetera. And it was G, A, G, A, you know? So it was, was it kind standard of notation like or was, was it tablature? It was actually standard notation. So oh, I, wow. I got to learn the basics of reading music. I, I had to relearn all that when I started studying music. I was, you know, like every guitar player meme, <laughs> I, I, I embody it fully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like eventually it, it gave me the base. Like I knew how to read rhythms and understand, understood like time signatures and stuff like that pretty early on. And so I'm super grateful. I always kind of shout out to, to that aspect of my learning, but then there were like, you know, my dad had tricks and like easy songs, like <laughs> these 
There's like a an ACDC song that goes like which you could just basically play the D A E string. Yeah. And and so we would just we would just mess around with like easy kind of little riffs and and tricks like that, you know. Um so that was probably one of my first songs. It's That's it's awesome. nice that your your dad's the bad influence there. Your uncle's trying to keep you on the path and your dad's like, "Nah, I got a bag of licks just <laughs> Yeah. Uh, try, the, try this out. Yeah, try yeah, this out. Got yeah, a devil yeah. and an angel on each shoulder. Exactly. It was great because there were all these like little like my dad knew like this kind of classical piece, if you can call it that. I don't even know the name. I think it's called like Spanish guitar or something. Mm-hmm. Um seems like everybody kind of knows it. Like it's something that I've I've played it to somebody else like as a joke, and they're like, I think I learned that too. And it's just one of those like I think Mostly I know what you're the talking open about. Strings with one, with one high E string just moving and then ascending, a, descending. A chords, yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Um, so like, I see it as a teacher now. Like my exposure was something to really be grateful for early on because some kids, like or just people in general, want to learn music, but they just didn't have like that that kind of exposure. And then like my cousins were even learning guitar at the same time, and I had a cousin who was a big metalhead. So even like in those first few years. I would say like Metallica and trying to like figure out how to play fast enough to play the intro riff to Holy Wars by Megadeth yeah. was like, it was, it was in my peripheral at least because like my older cousin was the coolest to me and he was playing, you know, Oh, how do you play the intro to hangar 18? Like it's, it's manageable <laughs> when you're, when you're young, just, you know, so I kind of got like influences all across the board. It wasn't like blues right away or anything like yeah. that. You know, that's fantastic. How old were you when that all started kind of happening? So I was like, yeah, six years old. I started taking lessons. That's which unbelievable. As early as you can start. Um, yeah. And then I guess like I went, I I stuck to it. I was a pretty like good at banging my head against the wall and just <laughs> powering through. Um, probably better then than I am now. Um, so by like eight or eight years old, you know, like could probably play some like ACDC riffs and, and like Metallica and starting to get into soloing. Cause again, my uncle was really organized and I do the same yeah. books with my students. And it was like, the books took you to a point where you would learn to bend and do release bends and do hammer-ons and all that stuff. So once I got to about nine years old, uh, which sounds super unfair, like I realized that now that I've, I've taught like over a hundred students by like nine years old, I knew how to bend and release bend and do vibrato. So I could just go to the music store and buy like with my dad, like an ACDC book and just start combing through it and, yeah. and, and learning that stuff. Um, so yeah, around like nine, 10 years old, I started discovering like, or more deeply discovering like Zeppelin, you know, yeah. maybe Hendrix, uh, Clapton, Stevie Ray. And then we would always just every kind of couple weeks or months take a trip to the music store and buy a book and i would have like the tablature with the rhythm um which is super hard to read like i wasn't reading that verbatim so then you know i was listening to the music and that was i was using my ears um and and i'm grateful for that I'm grateful for buying the dvds or vhs's maybe at the time <laughs> um you know and and being like oh snap like jimmy doesn't play the red house solo at all like the original what does he do? Try to figure this one out. And then using my ears started to come into play probably like 
10, 11 years old. So yeah, still pretty early on. That's pretty yeah, amazing. Like you were hooked. It's amazing. You were hooked so early. Yeah. So uh, early. That usually doesn't happen until mid teens, early teens, something like that. <clears throat> and just well, to, to hear that. I, I, and it seems like your influence, your dad, your uncle, these people around you, you kind of drove that. What was that? What was that pivotal moment where you were like, Oh yeah, I really want to pursue this to get better. Yeah. I think it started happening probably around the time I started figuring out how to improvise. Cause that mm. is awesome. Feels yeah. awesome. I think it, it really feels like you're creating and you're in the moment. I mean, it probably was before that too, it was probably just being able to like, in my mind, 100% a song, like play it beginning to end and feel like I played every note, which I didn't, but, you know, <laughs> looking back. But when I was, you know, learning those big tunes and and playing them loud in the basement, and I, I also started playing in a band really young. Like I did a school recital or something like at the private, like the music school I was, I was learning at. And then this, this guy's dad is just like, you should play with my son. And so... <laughs> I started playing with uh, with some other kids and learning songs and doing like little shows. But that dad was like super eager. So he got Shome 97.7, which is like the big rock station. He got like the DJs to come to the house and check us out. They even had us on the radio. Like I remember that's, that's like a big memory of like 10, 11 years old playing like Voodoo Child, just solo guitar <laughs> through my like boss multi effects <laughs> plugged in straight to their board. Um, <laughs> on the air, you awesome. know, it's just like, just crazy. I have like a bit of a, like crazy kid, like starting out and playing music young yeah. story for sure that I'm, uh, that I was probably more embarrassed about before. And now that some time has passed, I look back on it a lot more fondly and just like, that's, that's awesome. That, that, yeah. That, I mean, that's that incredible. Cool. I mean, it reminds me, I mean, like, that's kind of like that, that Bonamassa thing. I mean, right. What was it 13 years old and he's open for bb king or whatever i mean just insane yeah but you know it's funny you're talking about um that learning to improvise i mean that's really i was listening to your live album one day i was just doing yard work and that's when i just uh, you know contacted you through instagram and i was like this guy i mean he's just ripping these solos and i mean i was i was i would listen to the live song and i would go find it um i think it was on honest lies a lot of them were on honest lies album your most recent yeah. album. And I would yeah. listen to it. And I'm like, Oh, he's totally improvising. This is great. <laughs> you know, And I was nice. like, just blown away. I, I was really digging it. So, I mean, Thank that's, you, man. yeah, it was fantastic. But see, so was you're, you're mentioning your boss amp and what was your first after the nylon? What was your first, like real guitar, like nice guitar? Um, yeah. So it wasn't what I was about to mention. Uh, I went through a few, I think my first like nice guitar genuinely was like a $450 Godet. Oh yeah. Those things, you know, well, they've, they've gone pretty international. I guess like everybody kind of knows what a Godet is now, but mm -hmm. at the time, like they were just kind of, I think maybe I, I'm wrong. They were kind of more niche in Quebec being a Quebec uh, company but mm -hmm. they're just like these guitars that are way overbuilt for the price. So, I mean, I still have that guitar lying around somewhere, probably yeah. warped because I left it like <laughs> detuned in a basement somewhere. But uh, that was like my first like HSS. It didn't go out of tune when I would bend. 
uh, I could, you know, beat the shit out of it and it was still like, it would still handle <laughs> Your course, it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Cause like pre that I had like a hundred dollar, no name, like just this back black super strat with a pointy headstock. And then I started learning like Hendrix and stuff and doing like whammy bar <laughs> stuff with it. And it would just go out of tune every 30 seconds. Yeah. So then it became, uh, became the, a Japanese squire that we found at, at a cool shop that's now closed down called Kits Music in Montreal. But it was this, the squire was really awesome. It was like an eighties Olympic white oh. Japanese squire. It was like so sweet. I should have held on to it. Yeah. But I went to this jam, what, nine years old. I played with these, these older guys and it was feedbacking. It had like microphonic pickups. I had no clue what microphonic meant. I probably, this is the first time I think about the fact that they were microphonic. And so the guy goes, who's hosting the jam, he goes to my dad. He's like, your son can play. Get him a real American Strat. And then, so my dad was like, all right. So that was, that was my 1970 reissue Strat. Then now I kind of regrettably sold for the nostalgia. Wow. That was my, that was my, to answer your question, the long answer, that was my yeah. first real, like, yeah. you know, 2K guitar, like yeah. uh, American Strat. American so, Strat. You, I mean, I everything I see you play, I mean, I know you've got the the Junior, the Les Paul. Yeah. Well, no, it's a special, right? Yeah, it's a special, yeah. Yeah. And I see you play that a lot. And then I see, it It just seems like you really kind of go towards that Strat. That's kind of your, your home base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the Godet felt kind of stratty, even though it was like a mahogany body. And I think, you yeah. know, playing the Squire and then having the, the Fender after, I just feel so at home. And I guess my biggest influences and even just like my right hand technique, which is not super polished, I tell all my students, is very like in the school of Jimmy, Stevie Ray, who is super polished, Mayer, Frusciante, yeah. like these kind of like jangly... Yep. Always hitting more than one string kind of, kind of techniques. Um, and the stretches does that so well. It's, I've had SGs <laughs> it and it's like, it's hard to kind of like just whack on an SG. Like it makes me want to feel, it makes me want to play more precise, which is <laughs> not always how I play. <laughs> yeah. So when you dive into a, a strat, you just feel like you can kind of just, you know, fight it a little bit and and you have the freedom to do that a little bit is that is yeah. that what i'm hearing it's kind of like that 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 whip with the with the wrist that it's like not yeah. everybody plays like that like some people play more kind of static and like <sighs> yeah. think of like a bun of massa like like you just mentioned yeah. like he's just he's kind of like got a, a shredder right hand you know and of yeah. course he can articulate like a bluesman and all that stuff um but for me, like, I don't have that shredder quality and people will say like, oh, shut up, you know, like whatever. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just that, that like raking kind of mm-hmm. Stevie Ray, kind of rhythm, Stevie Ray. Yeah. I just feel so good doing that. Like it, it just feels good. You know, yeah. it, it's what I like to do. So, and, and sometimes we have to listen to that and stop buying a million guitars. <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time to, uh, enjoy my strat um i've had i've had a kind of a homemade strat for a while and i actually hated playing it i was like i'm gonna stick with my hollow body or my semi hollow body um like an es335 uh it's a 
It's actually a Hoffner. It's this blue one. Oh, nice. Right there. Oh, I can see that sucked. <laughs> and uh, it's it's called a Hoffner very thin, but um, I the Strat. I just felt like I had to fight it to get mm. what I wanted out of it. I wasn't enjoying what I was hearing, and then finally one day it like hit me, and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> what I'm looking for." I don't know if I was progressing as a player or my my technique was. Uh, progressing but then I, I fell in love with it and and i fire finally started experiencing what you're talking about and uh and just this uh past uh spring i just got an american pro 2 love this guitar Super it does everything guitar. that i want it to do it's 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 maybe want my number one maybe my number two it just depends but it's yeah converted. strat yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's converted. That's good. Yeah. So, my, um, yeah, go ahead. My guitar player uh, of of a couple of years now, Antoine Lozelle, he uh, he's got like three tellies now, and he's had this super nice Strat. Every time I go to his place, I play a Strat. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. It's a custom <laughs> shop in like Fiesta or Red or something. Like this is this is so such a great Strat. And he's like, yeah, I just can't. Yeah, connect just with it. You can't connect with it, huh? You know, and he loves his SG. He loves his Telly. I can kind of, like, I like Tellys. I can mess around with them, but it is a different thing. Like, if somebody hands me a Telly and puts me through like a, a bright Fender amp, it's just like such a different touch. I will yeah. play differently to yeah. suit it, and and that's cool. And like, whenever I've done that on a on a jam situation, people will be like, "Oh, you really like you know how to play a Telly?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess that's cool." <laughs> But I, I don't necessarily want to always play guitar and be like playing to that guitar. I want to like yeah. just play like me, you know, and the Strat feels like that, even though I guess technically I'm playing to the Strat. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, would you say that if you play uh, maybe a telly, it uh, kind of shakes your confidence or, or just like it affects you differently then? Like Def definitely. I mean, I had yeah. one for a long time, but it wasn't mm -hmm. super bright. Like it was kind of not the mm. best telly. I, I kind of found out with the best pickup. So I, I got rid of it because when you start recording, you start to hear all those details a lot more Yeah, for live in bars at whatever, going to school, it was fine. Um, but a telly, usually like a good one is going to be so glassy or whatever the mm -hmm. tone you want to so articulate in, in such a specific way. It does kind of ask to be played a certain way. You know, yeah. again, like I I don't, you can, but I don't want to play like a cold shot kind of feel on a telly <laughs> versus a strat. It's just really not the same mm -hmm. thing. Like I, I instantly start hybrid picking when I pick up a, <laughs> a telly immediately. Yeah. I start just like playing into the telly thing. Like the is, double stop sliding sixth. Thing. Yeah. 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 I just, just. I just grabbed a um, uh, it's Billy Gibbons Pearly Gates humbucker to put in a telly neck position, and I I haven't like wired it up or anything yet, but I'm very excited about that because I do love tellies, but kind of like you said, there's something about it where it it pigeonholes you and it forces you to play a certain way, and it's mm -hmm. like, but I want to play this telly like Keith Richards plays this telly, <laughs> not like Nashville plays yeah. this telly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's tricky because like everybody, like I'm just thinking about for strats. Like if you know, know like a Nerf Elder, 
who's like a more of a jazz New Yorker, New York cat. Okay. Um, he plays like kind of out there jazz stuff uh, on a strat, and his technique just if you look at his hands, obviously amazing technique. Uh, just looks kind of different, and I don't really think of like a strat when I think of that kind of playing, but he does it. So I mean, yeah, there's like always a there's always the exceptions, you know, but I definitely can say that I'm a player that every guitar will like will evoke something different in me. So that's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you so were just you have... in Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was just going to ask uh, about the different strats that you might have since that's your go-to. Yeah. Um what are, what are the differences between your lineup and you're like, okay, well, I I really feel like for this one for this one song, I I need it to do this thing. Like what, what are those differences between your one or two or three? How many strats you got? Yeah. I've only got two, but I would like to have more. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm like, actually, I would really like to have like an HSS or something. Oh yeah. Like, nice. Kind of like, or gold foil, you know, anyways, I've do often it. thought about selling the custom shop, like the Gibsons and just, ending up with like six strats for the same, you know, a dollar for four quarters or whatever. Yeah. You know, do but it. Why not? Like the strat yeah. with the humbucker will, will give me the, the edge that I'm looking for from the Gibsons. Um, but there's some sentimental, it's hard to let go of the guitars, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right now I have two, I have an Eric Johnson signature and I have mm. a uh, Greco, a 1979 Greco. You guys know what the Greco is? No. I don't. It's a cool, it's cool. So um, have you heard of like the Lawsuit series yeah. guitars? Oh, yeah. So it's from that, like some like Tokai, Ibanez, like the Fuji Gen factory that started, that is ended up being, and I don't know if it still is, like the high-end custom shop for Ibanez. Mm -hmm. um, that was the, the shop that was building Tokai and Greco and I believe some other companies. And they weren't all necessarily built equal, but there was a pretty high, uh, you know, quality control coming out of there for specific years. And so they were just completely ripping off the specs of the American guitars. That's why, yeah. for those who don't know, they're called the Lawsuit Series. I don't yeah. know if there ever was a lawsuit. And so I walked in actually the same place I got my 80s Squire as a kid. I walked into this place, Kits Music, that again, closed, sadly. Um, and I think I was just walking in just to hang out because it was that kind of place <laughs> in, in the city. And I saw this guitar, Olympic white. It had, I didn't even realize it was a John Mayer sticker on it, but it had like the heart with like the lightning bolt through it from like, I think <laughs> battle studies. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, what's this, what's this guitar with a tacky sticker on it? I picked it up, plugged it in. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I had actually been shopping for when I bought my, my 345, I was shopping for like a, I had a bit more budget at the time, like a, a higher end guitar to go with the Eric Johnson. So like a soft V neck was my obsession, like the Eric Johnson, like this big chunky neck. Mm -hmm. And so I tried custom shops. I went to Toronto where they have like all, all kinds of stores and I was trying all kinds of guitars and I wasn't connecting with them like I do with my, my Eric, Eric Johnson. And then this guitar that was marked for like 800 bucks with a, what I thought tacky sticker on it. 
ended up in my mind like beating them all out. So I left with it that day, uh, and I didn't have Sucker. to spend three k on a custom shot. <laughs> you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to change the frets on that on that guitar. <laughs> but it had Curtis Novaks in it, which are some really cool pickups. Yeah, which on their own are like two fifty. Um, and it's just like it, instead of being an alder body like the Eric Johnson, it's ash. Wh- whether you believe that that does a, makes a difference or not, it's just way more like mid scooped and um, that kind of stratty sound. Yeah. So it doesn't have like the same punch as the Eric Johnson. But if I really want something to sound stratty, what I consider stratty, that guitar has that jangle for sure. So already just between those two guitars that I thought were super similar, they're quite different. Yeah. I, I had never really heard of like the, the lawsuit strats. I was familiar with like the Tokais that were really like, they, they went after the Gibson, you know, the Les Pauls and that was mm-hmm, right. But I had never heard, I got to look that up. So it's called a Greco. Greco. Greco okay. or Tokai will both make them. There's some Ibanez, but I can't seem to find like good ones. Like I know I've seen Schofield playing like a cool Ibanez Telecaster. Yeah. They exist. But they've gone up. Like people now, I think, know the value of them. So I've seen them for like yeah. more like 2K online. When they used to be these guitars that you could just steal. They were like, yeah. they were a joke. <laughs> I think they, I think there might be more in Canada from what I've heard. Probably not anymore at this point. Like it's probably just everywhere. Uh, Canada and Europe. Because I think those guitars were US made instruments. Yeah, and just like the car manufacturing, just like all that kind of stuff. It's like there's that competition of like the the East Asian manufacturing, like Japan especially versus like the U.S. Like being two great builders, so yeah. like get that stuff out of here. Whereas here, I think people were just like, oh yeah, we'll order a, a few to the shop in the '70s, and I guess people were probably buying them for like fifty bucks oh, at the man. time. Who knows? It's know? like. I mean, I look at the price of like what a Les Paul or a Strat was when that came out. And I mean, I know like you got to take into effect inflation and everything, but I'm just like, I was just born at the wrong time. I would, this whole room (laughs) would just be packed. I mean, it's insane. It's not, it's even with inflation, it's just not. It's just not. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Plus they were using old wood. It's what I, what I understand, at least my guitar tech. Yeah. um, Shout out fretted revival. (laughs) <laughs> That's what he said is like, it's, uh, it's something about how like dry the woods were and how long they let them sit and how old the trees were. Yeah. Which now like, yeah, for the environmentalists, I think there are more trees than there were 50 years ago, but they're like, they're saplings and they're like, they're young trees. And so yeah. they're more humid and more susceptible to, to, uh, like to warping, you know, so yeah. it's like the, your new strat, like, you know, bring it to your to your tech and keep the, your room kind of checked out. But I don't think that was such a problem back in the day with those no. like 50s Les Pauls. They were just tanks. Yeah. And I mean, like you're, you're, that you're, you're totally right. I mean, they, they, that wood that they were using was like five, 10 years old and it had been dried out and the grain was super tight and that's why they were all 12 pounds. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, which, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if somebody gave me a 50s Les Paul, but 12 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, even like <laughs> nine pounds, 10 pounds. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, yeah. It's true. I played a, uh, uh, some 57 gold top up at the Chicago Music Exchange one time. The thing, 
It was a it was a brick. It was <laughs> it was so heavy. It was also had a hundred and ten thousand dollar price tag on it though too. <laughs> but I mean that's guys, pretty cheap. Oh yeah, it, what a it deal. Worse, true. Yeah. Some guys around here who uh, have been doing this music thing pretty successfully for a long time have some pretty cool gear. Guys like in their forties, and I've like I've kind of teased them about. It. I'm like, where the hell did you get all this stuff? <laughs> you know? And like in the nineties, you could find a seventies or sixties super reverb for like six hundred bucks. Yeah, you know. Now they're like three, four k to get yeah, a black exactly, face, you know? or so a clon. You know, a clon pedal. I mean, it, <laughs> is it like eleven thousand dollars now? It's insane. Oh, oh really? I don't think they're that much. I think I, I heard five. last, I think like two or five now. Yeah, yeah they're I like at least five. five. But I think some of them are like over that. Which, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, but I've let so go. <laughs> it's a good so segue talked- into gear. Yeah. Uh. St- as far as uh, your rig, what's yeah. your what's your rig look like? How how do you uh, set your your tones up here with with pedals and oh, oh there okay. we go okay let's dive into that a little bit what do you got <laughs> so I got pretty recently thanks to a buddy who um, was getting rid of it for a really fair like an ungodly price. Uh, I got the, a two rock studio pro 35, which is, you know, like more of a standard issue two rock. Cause those things can get really crazy. Uh, <laughs> which I would, I would love to try some of the, some of the higher end ones, but, uh, this, this thing sounds great. This is more a newer acquisition that I'm super happy with the, the two rock studio pro 35 with, uh, a 112 cab, Seems that I always end up with a 112 cab. I seem happy with it. It's got the uh, the cream back, which is a speaker I've been kind of after for a while, and it sounds really good. Nice. And so my Supro, which um, I, I got a sponsorship with those guys early on in hmm. in them releasing, which is was really cool because well, because it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm really appreciative. So I have the Black Magic, which is like a 25 watt, which also plenty loud and you know i use my pedals for most things and uh the statesman which i think is discontinued hooked up to some 112s uh and yeah other than that if i've got like a princeton reverb 2 so that that those are my amps the, the reverb 2 is kind of a cool another one of those like 80s people don't really know about it uh it's a cool amp but the the other um the other amps kind of like beat it out at this point so it kind of it's just sitting there uh, so yeah, I run basically clean. I try to get it as hot and like feeling good as possible, but I like to be able to have a clean sound, just like compressor clean for funky moments. Um, and when I'm not being lazy, cause I live on the third floor, I will bring two amps and I will go stereo out of like the Keeley Hydra. That's, that's the last pedal on my, on my board right now so that I can get a little bit of ping ponging and just just a bigger sound like you know the supros are a bit darker and warmer than the two rock or the fenders just brighter glassier and the the two together will just make such a there's just something about two speakers two different amps it's just undeniable even sometimes two mics like one on the front and one on the back sure. just having 
more than one signal um, just broadens up the sounds, in my opinion. And so, yeah, that's usually what I'm doing. Like, I'm going into a compressor and then I'm going fuzz, like octave fuzz, fuzz, and oh, a bunch yeah. of boosts, univibe, octave fuzz, you know, some vibe, some delay. But I'm pretty simple with my delays. It's usually like if I have a second guitar player on the gig, like he's using all this kind of atmospheric stuff to fill in the space and and mine is more like a slapback or something yeah what nice. octave fuzz are you using i'm using the octopussy by okay way huge Catalin bread Catalin. Uh, okay oh, okay yeah 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 that does sound it's like really a way cool. huge name though it, yeah it does that's why I thought that. <laughs> they always have the best names yeah, yeah it's just one of my it's my favorite pedal to say the name of yeah <laughs> When people ask, yeah, I'm really happy with that pedal. I've tried some other ones out, um, and at the risk of having like a million yeah. octafuzzes, which I'm sure one day I will have a million octafuzzes, but for now we gotta we have other priorities. Yeah. So I've I've never control. used that pedal. Uh, can you explain that a little bit of, uh, about some of those functions in it? Yeah, it's got. It's funny because the volume is reversed. So when you put hit all the way clockwise it's off but it's got a volume like just a master and it's got like i guess what most pedals would call like a bias knob mm -hmm. um which escapes me sometimes what exactly that means but it can get really like really spitty and really like i would just say gainy like it, there's a lot more of this kind of harmonic texture when you when you turn i think it's the top right knob all the way up and when you turn it down it will sound just kind of like um glitchy and more uh more like you know when you roll the volume down on your guitar and you're playing and you're playing an octave fuzz it gets a little bit dry and sustains mm -hmm. less and kind mm -hmm. of glitchy not totally the right words it's not like a a bit crusher but that kind of feel and then there's just like a, a full-on like gain throttle so that it you know you can really kind of crank up the, let's call it overdrive on the pedal. So it's sure. the perfect parameters for me. I keep everything like pretty much 12 o'clock on that pedal, depending hmm. on how hot it's responding in the room to the amps and to the other pedals. Um, and I'm pretty, yeah, pretty satisfied with that pedal. I've used it on... Um, a lot on Honest Lies. That album has a lot of octave fuzz, actually. I think there's yeah. about three solos with it. But it's actually not all that pedal on the record because I did that record with Ariel Posen. Oh, yeah. Produced no it. way. That's insane. Yeah, it was pretty cool. He actually moved to Montreal and uh, I, I, I caught wind of that. He was hanging out with a studio friend, speaking of gold tops. Hanging out with a friend who has a nice studio guitar player, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's kind of he's he's infiltrating the Montreal scene." This guy, yeah. so I hit him up. I actually funny story as he, he said at a, a show that I opened for him, I um I hit him up for a guitar lesson. I was like, "I don't know who I want to produce the record. I don't know if I'm ready to go in the studio to do the record." But I, I I'm like going on a walk and I, I open the stories. He's like doing guitar lessons. She's like, "Hey." I'll take one and just, just to use it as like an in to be like, I have a record that I want to record. I kind of have this notion that you would be perfect for it. That's awesome. And he was, I love that. So, I mean, speaking of Ariel Posen, I mean, phenomenal slide player. And I was going to say, I mean, I've, 
how many songs are you I'm trying to think if it was Honest Lies. I think it was Honest Lies. There's quite a few songs on there that you're playing slide on, you know, especially in the solo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, was that, are. I mean, how, how did, was that just something you kind of picked up when you were younger or is that just something that kind of came along with time? I just, I, I've never played slide. It just in the last year is something I just started. So I just am always intrigued by that. So. I started pretty young in the, in the story for me, I think like you were talking about in your teens, that's when a lot of people catch on. I think I started getting a bit bored in my teens in a weird way. Like I was mm-hmm. playing on stage and band breaking up. <laughs> I needed a bit of a, a new thing to try out. So I reached out to a teacher to learn jazz, which went horribly that, that time <laughs> around. And so the next lesson was like, can we just try to do slide instead? And so it started with like In My Time of Dying and Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page yeah. was like kind of my vehicle into doing a million different things. Yeah. Um, so I started picking up the slide and then shout out to Paul Delorier, who's a Montreal guitar player li- living down in Florida, um, guitar player, singer, songwriter. And he gave me some lessons on like playing in open tuning and really, you know, some Robert Johnson stuff. The Delta stuff is where I kind of started my slide journey, which yeah. I always recommend like to students and stuff like get in open tuning and just get good at playing like third fret, fifth fret, seventh fret, and then some cool licks on on the 12th fret it's it's a lot more manageable i feel like than jumping straight into uh trying to play in standard and figuring all that stuff out but that's you know that's also doable too so i started there and actually what happened is i wrote my first record so there's quite there's some slide on the first record um there's some slide on the first ep it just wasn't maybe as much of a focal point but mm-hmm. I was always playing on my third finger, glass slide, Derek Trucks. Like that was the the goal. It was nowhere yeah. near, but that was the goal. <laughs> and what happened is after recording that first record and starting to play trio or even quartet, it's like all these ideas I had in the studio, it was too hard to execute the riffs with a, mm. sli- a loose slide on the third finger. And that was about the time I discovered Joey Landreth and Ariel Posen. Yeah. yeah. So that was around, I was probably like 20 or something, 20 something, early, early 20s, um, studying jazz. And I, I went through the painstaking uh, process of switching my slide from my third finger to my pinky mm-hmm. so that I could, in trio, play these intricate riffs and then have the slide for the bridge or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, on the last record, like you mentioned, there was more slide on the live album. We did a cover of, you don't know how it feels, which was like kind of a slide feature. Um, and yeah, I was kind of at first, like now he's a buddy, but like at first a little, uh, intimidating to play slide in front of Ariel in the studio. Like I remember him having his back turned to me and I was playing like behind him and the engineer who was like a guitar player buddy, like I said, He's just looking at me and he's like, you're doing, you're doing great, man. Like he's just being encouraging. <laughs> Keep it up. And I go to this. him and I go, I'm, I'm pointing at Ariel and I'm like, I have to play slide in front of him right now. Yeah. Really? You know, and well, he, he just laughs and he's just like, yeah. Well, I mean, it was like, it was a couple of months ago when, when I first contacted you and I sent Ryan the video of you playing, um, keeping the blues alive. Uh, you know, the, the cruise with, with Bonamassa. And I mean, you, you're just killing like every day I have the blues and I'm like, yeah, Joe Bonamassa is just comping 
for you. I'm like, I can't like just ripping a solo with Bonamassa and Keb Mo and Vivino just behind you, just comping. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But you killed it. Absolutely killed and it. I mean, and I wish I could say that, that thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I wish I could say that was like my, my normal life, you know, but <laughs> that was a moment for me. I, I have to, I have to admit as much. And it was like three and a half minutes. Like there was a, a big jam. So mm-hmm. everything was like super tight. And I just, I think I got on, I think I looked backwards once, which is not what I do. Like I tend to really look at the musicians on stage and engage in that way. But I think I like, I went up, I got my, my sounds ready. Joe like came up to me and was like, you good? Like whatever. And I was like, yeah. And then <laughs> went to the mic delivered. And I think it was just like, a big blur. You I woke up. I told myself, yeah. um, rather than like, sorry. Oh no, I was saying you, you woke up like an hour later then, but I, I just, <laughs> I, yeah, well, yeah, the adrenaline was, was crazy for that moment. Cause that, I've, and I've, I've done so many of these jams. Like we have a really great scene in Quebec and Ontario, which are like just two neighboring provinces full mm-hmm. of musicians, full of blues festivals too. So I really grew up in that scene, like getting thrown on stage with guys like Steve Hill, uh, mm-hmm. guys like Paul Delorier, Jack DeKaiser, Sue Strongman, like monster guitar players who have been doing it for like 40 years. Um, and so I'm used to that kind of environment, which can be jarring. And it's not just to toot my own horn. It's, it's, <laughs> it is something that you do have to get used to for sure. Um, so I just kind of like told myself, like, I know it's Joe B, it's Keb Mo, these guys, <laughs> but like the guys that I've been playing with since I was like 12 years old are just as good of players. It's not about impressing them. It's about the audience. And there's something about just thinking about it being for the audience that really actually let me loose. And, and I just delivered forward rather than backwards mm-hmm. to like try to impress the guys. Cause I think if I would have done that. I would have gotten more in my head. And so just, I, I projected to the audience and um, the guy seemed to, to dig it. Like it was, I got a good reaction from the, from the boys on stage. And uh, that, then, then that was obviously like what, what I, what <laughs> yeah, I really that's what did want in my heart <laughs> is for Joe to be like, yeah, man. <laughs> what an experience. That's an incredible. Experience. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, that was a big, that was a big one. It was like, and then I, I always get that big adrenaline push, but then it's like the down after is crazy. I was like, Oh, I played so shit. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. And my, my band was just there. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? We have the videos. You'll watch it later. Like you shut up, Justin, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. Basically. What an experience, man. That's amazing. Yeah. How did, how did, uh, how did you get hooked up with the blues cruise and, and, um, line that up? Um, I think my agent has been sending like CDs and stuff since the beginning, mm-hmm. since as long as I guess he's had contacts, but honestly they reached out, which is one of the biggest pats on the back. Yeah. Uh, there were a few Canadian artists that, that went on and, and I think we were like the first Montreal group to do it if i'm not mistaken or at least that my agent knows of so they they're pretty active i think and joe i don't know to what degree but like joe's pretty active at discovering unknown talent which is freaking awesome 
It's mm-hmm. so, that's so awesome, you know? Yeah. So that was a, a huge confidence booster in a time when, I don't know what it was like for you in your states, respective states, but like Montreal and Quebec in general was one of like the most strict during the pandemic. So by that point, it was 2022, February, we're about to go on this cruise and they just called for another lockdown with a curfew. Oh my gosh. Mm. So the, you know, you can imagine being in the music industry, how discouraging it was being in an area like that. Like I wasn't in Austin or something, you know? Um, And so getting to getting the invites when there wasn't that much happening around me and then flying down and getting on that boat, nobody's wearing masks. And then we were just like playing live music. There were like 20 shows a day and it's just Mm. a good time. Like it was the biggest morale booster. Um, Yeah. And, and yeah, a couple, like three, four months later that summer, we ended up in the studio with Ariel, uh, working on honest lies. So it was like, I'm very grateful for that experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, Hey, you know, we just, um, we're so grateful for, for you coming on and and hanging out with us and talking guitar. I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. we love to do. Uh, we can tell that you love to do it too, but uh, if you want to let everyone know got going on right now, what your, your newest release when that's coming out. And, um, I know that you were just recently in like New York on tour. I don't know what else you've got lined up, but, uh, we'll be sure to post, uh, you know, your website so people can find where you're going to be when you're going to be there. I, I do okay. appreciate it. Uh, you can discover my music, Justin Saladino and, uh, on all the socials, I'm most active on Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Appreciate the new eyes and the new followers. Going to be releasing some videos actually from the album launch with Ariel. I've been sleeping on them and I'm kind of happy to release them now because I'm in a bit of more of like a downtime phase. Um, going to have to put together a new visa to come down to your country because yeah. uh, I just did one for this year, this past year. And I've got a bunch of songs that are sitting in a Dropbox, kind of more of a blues album, actually, and more of like an Americana thing. Haven't decided if I want to mix them two together like I usually do, or kind of go like, here's a blues record and here's like a, an acoustic thing. Um, but th- right now is like a bit of a building a building moment for me. So I'm, I'm really eager for people to follow and see what's, what's on the horizons coming next because Honest Lies has obviously been out for a little while and we've been playing those songs and there's a lot of videos out for that for people to enjoy. But uh, yeah, I'm starting to get excited for the next thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hopefully you are able to make it down here to the States. Uh, If you come to Chicagoland area, uh, I would love to, you know, connect with you. um, And uh, yeah. I'm supposed to. I just, I just uh, want to see you uh, get some some notoriety and here in the states and and just like uh, you know, yeah, it's just, it's exciting. Yeah, thank you. To, yeah, how close are you to like Grand Rapids? Uh, it's only two and a half hours, actually. Okay, there's yeah. actually a guy by the name of Salad, like Mike Saladino, there mm. who has a who has a big uh, restaurant with a stage and. Wants me to come out there. There's actually no relation, but we've chatted for a couple That's of years awesome. and he, he likes blues music and, and all that stuff. So yeah. my, my plan is to come down there. I almost came down there 
in October because we were in Windsor. We went like all the way to oh, yeah. Detroit, basically. So uh, I was I was like almost gonna book something in Grand Rapids <laughs> to to make the trek out, but I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, nice Great. draw is uh, we're forty five minutes away from Sweetwater. So Sweetwater, yeah. if you're listening, uh, we'll take. I'll bring. Any... We'll bring some musicians. <laughs> We'll take store yeah, credit. No, that's for great. Sponsorship. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Shameless plugs. Yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, yeah, if you're you ever know. in, <laughs> if you're ever near like North Carolina, South Carolina, please. I mean, I'll, I'll come to any show. So um, we're, we're really looking forward to seeing what you're doing this next year and in, in, in the States. Uh, again, uh, thanks so much. We'll, we'll post all this information so people can find your music and, uh, Thanks again for hanging out with us. Yeah. Thank you guys so much.